Hey everybody, this is the man on fire, John Sablon of johnsablon.com, and I hope that you and your families are off to a most blessed and happy new year. I want to welcome you all to another segment of True Faith Real Talk, where we talk about real issues through the eyes of faith. Today's segment is about discipleship. Now, that's a real hot buzzword out there. We hear a lot of people using missionary disciples, especially quoting our Pope Francis through his uh, joy of the gospel. I want to be a missionary disciple. But a lot of people use the word, but a lot of people don't know what that word is. And today, my guest I bring to the show lives and breathes discipleship. He's an international author, speaker, and evangelist. He's an author of two books, one of which has won awards, is Cleanse, the Catholic Guide to Freedom from Porn. Uh, he spent 15 years in uh, campus ministry, of which he was 11 years as associate director of campus ministry at the largest uh, campus ministry in the United States of America at St. Mary's Catholic Center at Texas A&M. He's an Aggie, so don't mess with him. And uh, I want to welcome to you to the show Marcel, Marcel Lejeune, who is the president and founder of Catholic Missionary Disciples, which is a nonprofit geared at equipping Catholic leaders to make disciple makers who make disciple makers. Marcel, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, John. Yeah, so I, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say it's a pleasure to be here, man. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm glad and I'm blessed by your presence to be on here. Now, last time we were communicating, uh, you were talking about something about mm -hmm. having a snow day or an ice day. What's going on over there in Texas, man? Well, people are people are freaking out. That's what's <laughs> happening. Yeah, yeah, and I'll be honest, John. Right now, it's like 27 degrees or something still. We don't get like 24-hour freezes. I mean, it dropped down to like 12 degrees last night, oh, and there boy. was ice everywhere, black ice, and they shut down schools, and, you know, people freak out. I mean, like, you know, you, you better just be on the guard because when black ice hits Texas, that it's we'll take the Category 5 hurricane, but black ice, uh-uh. No. <laughs> well, here in California, right, we start to cry and 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 freak out when it's like fifty-five oh, yeah. degrees, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, unless you're snowing. That's right. Mean, skiing in the mountains in the snow, right? Yeah. That, that's right. Yeah, we've got we've got we're the land of the fruits and nuts out here in Cali. So, uh, by the way, that was me skiing. Okay, I just want to point that <laughs> yeah, out. Nice, nice. <laughs> so, hey, I'm bringing you on. We we're talking about discipleship, and yeah. you know, we hear a lot of that, especially within the church today. Uh, the concept of discipleship, yeah. the idea of discipleship. But when it comes to flesh, flesh to the bone discipleship, you know, a lot yeah. of people don't know how to execute it, how to deal with it, how to wrap their arms around, wrap, wrap their arms around it. So, you know, I'm glad that you're here so we can kind of unpack this for the viewers. So let's start at the start, though. Right. How do we define as Catholics discipleship? What does that mean? Good. So so discipleship is to follow another. Right. It, and it, it's. It's to not just follow by, okay, I'm going to learn from another the content of stuff, and that's good, but it's it's to follow another. It's to model another. It's, in a sense, an apprenticeship for another. So, And it comes right from the root of, of, the, of the rabbinical tradition, that is the, the tradition of the rabbis from Judaism, and they had disciples. That was followers, okay? It's somebody who follows another. And so if you're going to follow somebody, and that is you're going to be a disciple of somebody else— in the rabbinical tradition, what that meant is you would sit at the feet and learn what it meant to be a rabbi from a rabbi. So these rabbis would have these followers, these disciples who would come and follow them, and they would learn what it meant to be a rabbi, to be a good Jewish leader, a teacher, from not just learning the content of the stuff, which is important. you got to know the content. and they, they would, But they would learn 
okay, this is how the rabbi is going to sit and eat. This is how the this is what the rabbi does when he's not teaching. This is how he talks to people in the street. This is and I'm going to start doing that. So they would eat like the rabbi ate. They would walk where the rabbi walked. They would do what the rabbi did, and they would teach what the rabbi taught. And in fact, the the way they would talk, the emphasis on the words, the, the content of what they would say, how they would treat another person, the things that they would do would start to be almost just like that rabbi. And the reason why is because if they wanted to learn from somebody, they had to learn from a master, somebody who had mastered the art of being a rabbi, a great rabbi. That's the way to do it, right? It's, a, it's an apprenticeship. It's a, a discipleship. And it's the same thing today, except that the way the Catholic Church has done this in discipleship, a lot of times is in our parishes. At, on, the, on the ground level, unfortunately, we aren't living life together. We aren't following somebody who's further along, who's mastered a little bit more in the journey of the interior life, of the virtuous life, of discipleship, of evangelization. Rather, what we're doing is we're sitting in front of a you know, a DVD series, or or we're reading books, or we're going to a class, and we just kind of passively absorb content as, as kind of a consumerist mentality. That's not what it's meant to be a disciple. What a disciple is supposed to do is live life in community with others so that you can start to be an apprentice in the life of following Jesus Christ. That's what discipleship is supposed to really be about. And unfortunately, it just isn't quite the the norm in our Catholic culture today. And so we've got to rediscover that. And in this rediscovery process of what it means to be a disciple, uh, I think there's a lot of people who are who are still trying to figure that out. And I think that's part of the problem is we've kind of sometimes submitted to the fact that it's a buzzword more than it's a reality for most people still. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, one of the things I would say to, to kind of jump on that is, you know, when, when people mm-hmm. approach faith, faith as something they do rather than something they live, yeah. you know, then it becomes just another thing in our day. Right. And, yeah. it's, and, and God normally takes the back seat when it comes to priorities and lack of time. Right. So, um, OK, so that's a challenge for us. In, it, that's a universal church problem. Right. So so what's what's our answer for folks? What are you what, what's the answer you have for folks when it comes to, OK, now that we've identified that problem, that yeah. we're not living in community of disciples. How, how do we solve this? Man, that's a that's a tough nut to crack. Yeah, and I don't think there's any one answer for that, quite honestly, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, it's that you and I, and and all everybody else has their own personal responsibility. Okay, let's talk about each person. Okay. If you say, I follow Jesus Christ, then you're supposed to follow Jesus Christ with everything you got. And that doesn't mean with your spare time, with your spare money, with your spare voting, with all that stuff. But you're supposed to submit to the Lord everything that is in yours. Now, none of us do that perfectly. Come on, I'm, I'm a sinner, right? I go to confession all the time. But but if I make Jesus the center of my life, then that means I got to do what he tells me to do. In fact, he says, if you would be my followers and if you would if you love me, he says, and this is the one of the marks of love, then you're going to do what I command. And the last thing he commanded was to go and make disciples of all nations. That is the, the finally, you know, yeah, we're supposed to live the virtuous life. We're supposed to know our faith. We're supposed to go through the things that the church tells us to do. But all of that is in service to the great mission of Jesus to make disciples of others because salvation is on the line. And ultimately, that's what we're supposed to be marking is, are we fruitful in helping others come to salvation and then growing so that they also become missionary disciples? That is, disciples who follow Jesus and go out on his mission. And his mission was to make more disciples so that we could go and save the world from what's going to destroy it. That is sin and death. And ultimately, that's the that's the job of all of us. So I have to take that responsibility seriously. And I got to do everything I can. And that means if I can 
to be able to find others who are like-minded and maybe somebody who's a little bit further on and sit at their feet and learn from them. You know, yes, I have a spiritual director, but I have also been mentored by other people who've taught me what it means to evangelize and disciple others. Mm -hmm. And I've tried this, you know, I I had to sit down and try it out and run small groups and Bible studies and one-on-one evangelization and help preach the charisma, the good news of Jesus Christ, and invite a response and then walk with somebody and send them off into mission too. That's what it should look like. Now that's the communal aspect then. So we have this individual responsibility of doing it, Mm -hmm. but communally is where we're really struggling in a lot of ways. Because what happens is that the average Catholic leader, I don't care if you're a priest, a deacon, a bishop, I don't care if you're a lay DRE, a youth minister, and I don't care if you're a highly engaged volunteer at your parish or just regular old Joe and uh, Nancy Catholic, most Catholics, leaders or not, have never been discipled in this way intentionally. They've never apprenticed in evangelization and discipleship themselves. Yeah, priests sometimes have spiritual directors. Yes, they might have a small group or something that they're doing, but they've never sat at the feet of somebody else and learned how to do this and been held accountable to go and do it. And that, I think, is the communal thing we're going to have to start to do is to train up more leaders in how to do this stuff. Because until we do that, how are they going to be able to help other people? How are they going to be able to have apprentices sit at their feet? Because they don't really know what it means. And what ends up happening a lot of times, John, is that the leadership of the church then falls back into the same old, same old, because that's what they know. Mm -hmm. And they are being challenged to move out of that stuff. And that's why we're kind of stuck in some places in this rut where we have parishes that seem like they're not getting anywhere. They're not fruitful. They're not growing. They're dying. That's why we have dioceses that are struggling to get vocations and they got money problems and they, you know, they're closing down parishes because they're they're not going out there and changing people's lives and having encounters with Jesus Christ where there's conversion and then people are going to be missionary. This is, I mean, I'll be honest. Here, here's what here's one of my new things I tell people: discipleship fixes everything in the church. Now, does that mean that all the sin's going away? No. But if you want people to, if you want a parish to grow then go be a disciple and go make other disciples. Discipleship mm-hmm. fixes that. If you if you got money issues, discipleship fixes that because disciples give money. Mm-hmm. If you got problems with sin in the church, disciples are the ones who say, I'm sorry, and pick themselves up and go back to confession and try to do better the next time. The Discipleship fixes all the Catholic Church's problems, at least in, in kind of the, the, the big areas. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, and that's what we need to be aiming for. Well, I, I think you hit it the nail on the head. I think this is part of the issue. And this is hopefully a lot of those responsible for leadership in the parishes listen. Because I think when you start to just focus on stewardship, if you haven't won over the hearts of people for God, they don't want to, they're, they're not, they got nothing to, to even the time to hear what you have to say about whatever programs you're offering. You yeah. know, when people value something, Right. They're willing to sacrifice for it. And now there's ideals, right? People ideal. Oh, that sounds nice, yeah. but they never go. Yeah. That sounds oh, that's great. That's nice. But they never put their money there. Yeah. So I think your point is if once you encounter our Lord and, mm-hmm. and then you fall in love with his bride, the church, yeah. you're all about it. Every it becomes a priority in your life and you're willing to put your money, your time, your effort, everything, your blood, sweat and tears at building up the kingdom of God. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, and, and here's another point. And I, and, and I know you'd probably agree with this, too. What happens with the church a lot of times is, is, is we provide some of these encounters. Right. You, you got a retreat. You got a conference. You might have a parish mission. You might do all this other stuff. Um, those encounters with the opportunity to respond are important. You got to create these opportunities. But it can be done one on one where I'm witnessing to somebody and telling them my testimony about how Jesus Christ has changed my life. But the problem, one of the problems in in Catholicism right now with the way we practice, the way we do things is, uh, you know, I I hear this all the time now. 
10 years ago, I didn't hear a whole lot of homilies about an encounter with Jesus Christ, accompaniment, discipleship, uh, that you got to, you know, that that God loves you in, in a particular way and he wants you to follow him. Right. We're hearing a lot more of those homilies. But here's the and we're hearing a lot more people talking about it on videos and other stuff. Here's the Catholic issue. We stop. We stop right there. We just we'll say things like and now Jesus is coming and he's inviting you to do this stuff, et cetera, et cetera. You know, or or God is present right now and, and he can change your heart. And then we stop. And, and and I heard it even this last weekend, a great homily, but he stopped. And I keep telling, uh, you know, I got a friend, he's a priest, right? I, I've told him several times, like, don't stop. Mm-hmm. Now tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. Tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. And here's here's what we're not doing is telling people, how do you respond? How do you invite Jesus into your heart? How do you move towards something else? How do you become a disciple? What are the decisions I have to make? Because this isn't something passive. Mm-hmm. This is intentional and active. So discipleship is never passive, mm-hmm. okay? Let's be honest about this. We got to be careful about this. It's intentional. You cannot accidentally be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's right. Okay. If you look at the scriptures, look at look at what happens. Jesus comes up and he says, "Come follow me." Mm-hmm. That's an encounter. That's the encounter with Jesus right there. But there has to be a response, mm-hmm. and the response is. Okay, I'll drop my nets. I'll leave my father in my boats, and I'm going to go follow him. Okay, I'm going to leave my tax booth, Matthew, and I'm going to go follow him. I'm going to follow because that's a choice. And then once I start to follow, now there's other choices that are going to have to be made. Yeah, I'm going to have to stop doing A, B, or C. That's a sin. Yes, I'm going to have to make better choices. Yes, I'm going to have to pray every single day. Yes, I got to go have the sacramental life. Yeah, I got to, you know what? I got to work on that virtue because I'm not real patient or I'm not real kind or whatever else it might be. This is the life of a disciple. Mm-hmm. And, and it's intentional. It's never accidental. And so when when Catholic leaders are in a possibility of setting up these encounters, we gotta we gotta not only make that encounter a possibility, we gotta tell them what to do when they do encounter Jesus Christ. That's right. Well, and then you bring back the other point that you started off with this this communal aspect, right? Because yeah. um, both you and I, we travel, we do talks, we get people on fire for lo- for, for the love of yeah. God, and then we're off. We're off to the yeah. next event. Or oh, we're off that's to, easy. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Right. Everybody comes in. I'm fired up. And then they come back to their parish and they're like, OK, what do I do with this? What do I do? Yeah. yeah what yeah. do I do with this? This really this new encounter. I, I've experienced conversion in my heart. Obviously, the sacraments are important. Getting them back. If, they're, if they've been away from the church, um, they go back into the sacrament recon- reconciliation. They experience the love and mercy of God through the sacrament. They get back to mass. Boom. And then it's OK. Now, what do I do with this stuff? Yeah, and it's ho hum. I'm right back into the ho hum parish I started in and caused the problems in the first place. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and here's a couple of things I tell you. Number one, you bear a responsibility of changing your parish too. Mm-hmm. Average parishioner, you bear a responsibility. And, and I think we forget just how much of a pool the average parishioner has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over the I've seen parishes change because one parishioner decided they were going to invest in a small group of people who then invested in a small group of people. Who then started to to have this you know tidal wave of people who love Jesus and wanted to live together and wanted to go forward in this discipleship, and ultimately you know 10, 15 years later it changed it. Yeah, it's inefficient. It takes a long time, but that's how Jesus did it. He spent three years with twelve knuckleheads walking around, and when he really wanted to teach them something, he took the four of the biggest knuckleheads off and he'd say, "Hey, let's go pray," or "Hey, let me show you what this means," or "Hey, let me crack open this parable for you." Hey, let me let you experience. By the way, I'm gonna 
I'm going to go up on a mountaintop and we're going to see Elijah and Moses and they're going to come out of the cloud and the Holy Spirit's going to descend upon me and God's going to speak from this, the Father, and I'm going to be changed into this crazy white stuff, right? The transfiguration. Mm -hmm. And then they come down the mountain and these knuckleheads forget that they just saw the presence of God and experienced it like Moses did. Mm -hmm. And they saw Moses himself mm -hmm. and Elijah and, and, and they forget this stuff. And I think we have forgetful hearts too about these moments of encounter with Jesus Christ and these powerful things. Because we're just like those apostles. Um, but ultimately, once they were filled with the Spirit at Pentecost, they went out in the streets and changed hearts because they got out of the way. And this is what every, every Catholic is supposed to do. Get out of the way and let God work through your life. And don't say, well, why me? Why not you? Why can't God use you? And if God can use Paul, who was killing, you know, was an accessory to murder of Christians to go and change the world— Outside of this, you know, small little uh, area in Palestine, he went out to Rome and he went out to, you know, these other places, Philippia and all these other. And he changed the world. He helped do that. He was he was an accessory to murder. God used a big sinner to do that. Mm -hmm. He can use me. He can use you. He can use anybody. God is powerful. God is God and you are not. And that's what we got to do is we got to get out of the way and, and humble ourselves and say, OK, God, you can use me and I'm going to allow you to do so. I choose to get out of my own way so that you can do something powerful through me. And I tell you, John, when I do that personally, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. And, yeah, it's really easy for me to get on an airplane and go fly in and go do a talk or whatever. The hard part's when I leave and the real ministry begins. Mm -hmm. You know, just just a, a couple of days ago, I, I wrote this long Facebook post about how uh, most people shouldn't be Catholic speakers. I know you saw it, right? So. <laughs> And it it created this firestorm. That was uh, huge, yeah. From other Catholic speakers, like all all the names, everybody listening, all those all those people you're big fans of. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of them are friends of mine, okay. And I tagged a whole bunch of them in my Facebook post, and I said, my, I start off with, you probably don't want to be a Catholic speaker because I get these young people after a talk, or I get this person who walks up to me and says, how do I how do I become a Catholic speaker? I love what you were talking about. How do I do this stuff? And what I tell them is, you probably don't want to do that. And let me. Let me ultimately boil it down. I'm not going to go through the whole post, but yeah. it, and this is what everybody who else is a Catholic speaker agreed with. Mm -hmm. The reason why people want to do that is because they have experienced something happen in their hearts when they heard a particular Catholic speaker talk about a particular subject. That's because God moved. Mm -hmm. What they're looking for is that movement of the spirit. What they're looking for is the encounter with God. What they're looking for is that. I want to I want to help change people's lives just like my heart was changed at that moment. I want to help God move there. And that's a good thing. Right. That's a good thing. I want to do the same thing. I, ultimately, I told my wife this this morning, John, the greatest desire in my heart is to be fruitful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the greatest desire of everybody's heart is to be fruitful because fruitfulness comes out of being loving, virtuous, obedient to Jesus, following him closely, prayerful, all those things. The purpose is to be fruitful so that we can go and fulfill that command of Jesus Christ to make disciples. And when you do that, oh, my gosh, there's nothing more joyful and, and fulfilling than to say, I helped be an instrument of God so that he could change somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. And that's what people are looking for. That's why people want to be Catholic speakers or whatever else. Mm -hmm. But speaking's not real ministry. Mm -hmm. Real ministry is taking the hand of somebody else and saying, let's go towards Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you what it means. Mm -hmm. That's what discipleship really is supposed to be about. So anyway. Yeah, so you, yeah, you think about it, right? So you think, um, to your point about people being moved, right? It's like it's, you, you've fallen in love and you want to go share that love with everybody you know, right? Like you don't care. And, and I think that's the point is we're facilitating those encounters through those because, and most of the time, to be an effective uh, speaker, right? That's a byproduct of you being a disciple, 
right? It yeah. just happens to be that you're out there sharing the fruits and somebody says, you know what, Marcel, I love your story. Come over here and tell me that story yeah. to, to all these people that I'm going to gather around you. And hopefully that lights the flame in their hearts and they're going to go off and do the same thing. Now, that happens, like you said, best one-on-one -on -one when it's mano y mano, when we can look into the eyes of that other person and say, you are a beloved child of God. Mm -hmm. God has yeah. a plan for you and only you can fulfill that plan. Come talk to me about how that's fulfilled in, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that nice when we get in front of hundreds of thousands of people? Great. Yeah, that's awesome because then you, you're spreading that net even wider. But like yeah. you said, the real work is in the ministry at that lower level, on the ground, and, and for us to bear fruit, right? You, you, mm -hmm. We're going to know um, our our level of discipleship, right? Discipl yeah. I mean, one of the things you have in, 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 in one of your postings was, you know, disciples make disciples, man. That's a sign That's of right. a disciple. That's right. right. And and here's the thing. A lot of people don't understand kind of the process of, of, of how you go from one thing to the next. So let me lay it out real quick for you. So first... There's what we call the church, and you can find this stuff in things like Catechesis Tridende, mm -hmm. in the general directory for Catechesis especially, is really, really good about laying this out, but um, a lot of documents. And the USCCB has got a great document about missionary discipleship. Uh, if folks want to go look that stuff up, if you're if you're a nerd like me and you like theology, go look that stuff up. But look, the fact is that there's there, the first level is not over here following Jesus, right? It's pre-evangelization. This is before somebody even knows who Jesus Christ is, and really— the, the crux of this is I'm building a relationship with people, okay? So you, the first thing is you're going to build a relationship. The second thing after that is now we move into an evangelization. And evangelization, properly speaking, if we're going to be specific about what it is, you could say in some ways the church defines evangelization as, you know, you know a big picture. But, but evangelization really is about an encounter with Jesus Christ where there is— conversion that happens based on repentance of sins and a decision that is intentional that I want to make Jesus the center of my life, okay? This is the way this stuff has to happen. You encounter and you respond, and you respond by repentance and making Jesus the center of your life. Once that happens now, we have discipleship, okay? Mm -hmm. Somebody said yes. Now, we can have somebody who over here has been baptized but never made this decision. Uh, and in fact, Pope Francis, Pope Benedict, and John Paul II, and a lot of the other documents of the church have talked about this. You can be sacramentalized mm -hmm. and brought into the family of God and be a member of the church and not be an intentional disciple. That is somebody who has chosen to follow Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And this is big. This is one of the assumptions we make as Catholics that, you know, and we got to be careful about these assumptions. Oh, well, just because they're baptized, they're a disciple. Or just because they go to church, they're a disciple. Just because they're involved, they're a disciple. Just because they're on staff, they're always oh, a priest. You know how many priests have told, you know, my friends and myself who do the speaking about this stuff? I, I never knew that, but I, I, I realized I'm not, I've never made this decision. And like, okay, let's stop. If you want to make it right now, yes, I do. Okay, then do that. Put Jesus at the center of your life. Okay, this is evangelization. And then after that, it's discipleship. And discipleship is the long, hard road of following Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So we got to move, make sure, okay, are we assessing? Where is a person? And the only way you can assess this stuff properly is by getting to know them mm -hmm. and, and by walking with them. So what did Jesus do? If he wanted to really do this stuff, he went out and he built relationships with people who then he invited into coming and following me. And they responded by doing so. And then he did the long, hard road of three years of walking with these guys. And again, you see, evangelization can take place in a big group at a conference, at a retreat or something else, because you can invite a response and have somebody say, yes, I want that, because grace is operative there, right? Mm -hmm. But discipleship can only happen one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. Mm -hmm. 
I'll say that again. Discipleship can only happen one-on-one or in small groups. You can't disciple humongous numbers of people. Why? Because Jesus taught us you couldn't. He gave us a model. And he said, be obedient, not just to what I say, not just the doctrines I teach, but what I do. Do what I do. If we do what he did, then we're going to be inefficient in the sense of, okay. And now you're saying, okay, well, how are we going to change the world if all we're doing is reaching this small number of people? Well, how did they do it? Okay, so Paul, right? If you look at 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, I, I, I tell everybody, go read it right now. Mm-hmm. But basically what Paul is writing to Timothy is, okay, do what I did with others and then have them entrust it to faithful men who can do likewise. Mm-hmm. You have to continue to move down the generation so that you're training other people to do the same thing. It's called spiritual multiplication. Okay, we're multiplying. And in fact, it's much more efficient to get a whole lot of people who are doing the same thing of going and making disciples than me, the great evangelist who's going to go and change, you know, uh, 200 people's lives. Mm-hmm. So this is the way you do things. It's in the model of Jesus Christ. And I think we've kind of forgotten that. We need a little bit of a remembering. Mm-hmm. We need to remember what Jesus has taught. We have to remember what the church has already taught. We have to remember what the great saints have modeled for us and how we're supposed to do this stuff. Because we've forgotten it in a lot of ways in the Catholic Church in the United States in the 21st century. Yeah, you know, you, you know the, uh, the point about, um, you know, people are, are being sacramentalized. In some cases, they're being catechized, but often yeah. they're not being evangelized. And, right. and, and we, ha- we need all three in order for us to be fruitful disciples. We're discipled, yeah, and yeah. then discipled. And that's even—so you, you have, sac- you know, these huge number of people were sacramentalized, mm-hmm. smaller numbers that are catechized, smaller numbers that are evangelized, and even smaller number that are discipled. Yeah. So you're kind of and really the way it ought to go is, OK, we have a few people that might drop off. But if we really want to do the way we ought to, we ought to be, just, you know, working with all these folks. Mm-hmm. That's the way we ought to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in fact, in the early church, there there were no um, small little, you know, uh, kids that were being born into the faith mm-hmm. because there weren't any Christians. Right. There, there wasn't a, a history or a culture of Catholicism or Christianity. They were they were all Jews or pagans. Mm-hmm. Uh, right the Jews and Gentiles. So there was a fervor that we need to recapture too, mm-hmm. a fervor for the for the love of the world, uh, this, this zeal for this zealous love for the mission of Jesus Christ, because I want everybody to be in heaven with us, mm-hmm. because that ultimately is what's going to win the hearts of the culture, is when we love people enough to love their salvation. Amen. Because you and I are called to do this. Jesus has no backup plan. This mm-hmm. is the, the church is the backup plan. Mm-hmm. We need to get out there and really be changing the world. But it's not I'm going to go do it on the street corner. It's OK. I'm going to engage deeply with a few people mm-hmm. and then I'm hoping they'll do the same and, yeah. and train them to do the same. You yeah. Know? If you start if you start with your sphere of influence. Right. Of course, starting mm-hmm. your own home. Right. Are yeah. you are you discipling the people within your own home or within Absolutely. your reach or your you know, people? Maybe it's the people at work that you have a, a friendship with and they know that you're you are a disciple of Christ or at least they know that you're a Christian at, you know, at, at most. Yeah. And so what does that actually look like? Are you bringing witness, you know, in uh, Pope Paul's uh, encyclic, right? Evangelii Nunciandi, right? Modern man more willingly listens to witnesses rather than teachers. And if they do listen to teachers, it's because they're witnesses. Uh, first. Amen. So yeah. by living it bearing fruit, we can lead others to that. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, because you've obviously given your life, um, and, and I mean that in a very literal livelihood way, where you started mm-hmm. Catholic Missionary Disciples. You're trying to address this issue on the front grounds, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you what happened. Well, I worked in campus ministry for a long time, and, and I'll be honest, I think campus ministry and youth ministry in a lot of ways are leading the movement. And the reason why is because on a, in a campus ministry, you can be a little bit more nimble. And what I mean by that is, 
if, if we wanted to try something, we try it, you know? I mean, we had a little bit more sway. College students are more likely to go, yeah, let's go do it, than a, you know, parishioners who've been there for 40 years and like, hey, get what are you talking about? You're not going to just go experiment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also the movements within campus ministry. You look at Focus, St. Paul's Outreach, Evangelical Catholic, Catholic Christian Outreach in um, Canada. And they're very, very fruitful. Why are they fruitful? Because they started on campus and they started with young people who were evangelizing other young people. Now, part of the thing that all those organizations have run up against, John, is that they're, what they're learning is now they're trying to move into the parish environment and it's a different world, yeah. right? You know, it's not so much peer-to-peer. It's a little bit, there's a lot of other issues that go along with it. In fact, I know the leadership of all those organizations and, and I'm friends with those people because I believe that we need to be collaborating on this stuff and talking to each other and learning from one another. Um, and being in campus ministry was part of the thing that helped open those doors, but I learned a lot. Um, by walking with young people for many years and not just young people, though. I mean, my peers and, and people who are older than me, you know, or a generation older. What? And I've learned how to evangelize and disciple those folks by trying it out. You know, some of it experimentation and, and some of it failure. I'll be honest. You know, I'm not the greatest evangelist in the world. I know people who are better evangelists and better disciple makers. But, you know, I think what happened was a guy called me to a particular time where I had these experiences and this knowledge and this passion, and all this other stuff. And he said, I want you to leave campus ministry. So I left and I didn't even have a job. That's pretty dumb. That's my wife. So, but, but it was obedient. And I think God blessed my obedience. Um, God wants obedience. Um, so I left and then I started to discern, should I go work for one of these organizations or for a diocese or, you know, and I had some people talking to me and I had a lot of good conversations, but ultimately my, my peace fell on, okay, let's try something new. And so I started Catholic Missionary Disciples. And what I'm doing is I'm working with parish and diocesan leaders, ministry leaders who, who really want to learn how to do this stuff, but also they want to be held accountable. So I'm going to, tr- I'm going to train them, not just how to evangelize, but how to teach others how to evangelize too. Mm-hmm. How to, di- not just to disciple, but how to train other people to disciple too, so that we're handing on these tasks. So it's kind of like a teach the teachers mm-hmm. to disciple the disciple makers, right? Mm-hmm. So we're doing this stuff in, in small groups where I take, you know, four, five, six people and we put them in a cohort and we run it for 12 weeks and, and you get, you know, an hour in that cohort. And then we, you know, you get one-on-one ministry training too and coaching because a lot of times people are like, oh gosh, in my context, here's what's going on. And I'm not telling people I've got all the answers, John, but what I am saying is I'm going to learn right alongside you and, and we're going to go together towards Jesus Christ. And I got, a, I got enough experience to probably be able to help you at least a little bit in some of this stuff. And so anyway, if people are interested, go check out CatholicMissionaryDisciples.com. I'm not trying to. I, I'm terrible at sales. Um, I'm selling, but, but I'm selling for you. I'm like your agent no, today. I got to tell you, I, lo- I love Jesus Christ. That's ultimately what it is. And I think the church is at an age and a time where it's a real unique period in the life of the church in the United States where there is a movement that people want to do something new and different. And, and so if you want to try something new and different, look us up. Um, other than that, then I would just encourage people, look. The old ways got us into this mess. And right now we got for every one person entering the church in the United States, we got six who are leaving out the back door. And yes, internationally we're growing. But that is a rate that's unsustainable. And that's why we're closing parishes. That's why, you know, we're having these problems. So if you're a leader who has influence, you're listening to John, you know, in this video podcast and stuff. Um, what do you call it, John? Uh, I just, it's know. just a YouTube series, man. YouTube I'm just, series. All right. yeah. If you're on YouTube right now and you're watching John and me talk and, and, and you're like, okay, I, I feel a little tug of the spirit right now and you've got some influence. All I ask is that you're, you're willing to experiment, please, because the church needs it right now. I mean, 
We don't need people who have all the answers for the next DVD's box series. We don't need that stuff. What we need is people out there on the ground who are changing things and not just running the same old status quo and management of the operations that have got us into this mess. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier just on, on a sidebar conversation, right? We can't, we can't um, kind of repackage, right, um, with a new name, the same thing we've been doing. Yeah, yeah, it's not working. You can't. That's what happens a lot of times. The church, you know, the new evangelization comes along, and then all we do is we, we tag that on top of the same retreat we've been doing for years, and we rebrand it. Or, And by the way, these retreats, and the programs and the classes and the sacraments, you got to do this stuff, right? Whatever it might be. But what I'm saying is that the center and the heart of everything you do should be a personal commitment to evangelize and disciple other people. And I don't care if you're the pastor and you got 80 hours a week. Carve out the time to do it because you were made for fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. You will never regret saying yes to Jesus Christ and being fruitful. And, and that fruitfulness then gives you the opportunity to be a better administrator of the things you got to take care of, to run the programs you got to take care of, to do the paperwork you got to take care of if you're working in a parish, or to be a mom or a dad or to go be a plumber or an engineer or whatever it might be. Your fruitfulness as a Christian is going to make you better at all this other stuff because joy is going to come. And you're going to see that the rest of the life around me is actually at service to this primary mission that's why I exist, is to follow Jesus Christ and to help others do the same thing. Yeah, no, as we call people out, because I think there is a tendency, especially in the United States, where, you know, you're talking about the shortage of vocations and priests. I mean, uh, we, we have an issue today where we, we can sit there and point at, hey, father should be doing this, bishop should be doing that, sister so-and-so should be doing that. Shoot, Marcel, he seems like a holy dude. He should be doing this. Uh-uh. That call is for all of us baptized. And if we're not part of the solution, we're only part of the problem. And I yeah, think- and- Go ahead. And, and I tell you, John, here's here's the thing. We forget the peculiar call of the lady, the particular call of the lady. Mm-hmm. Father and sister and bishop and even myself can't be in your workplace or your house. And in fact, if I was, it'd be kind of creepy. So, <laughs> uh, but you can, and I can't be a brother to your brother or a son to your mother, mm-hmm. but you can. And the fact of the matter is you have particular relationships and particular gifts and particular places and particular relationships where you're supposed to be trying at least to love those people with the best of your ability. And that part of that love should be, I'm going to try to evangelize them if I have that opportunity, but I'm not going to be in your face or I'm not going to be offensive and I'm not going to have to push it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to pray, Jesus, if this is what you want, open the door for me. And when I see that door cracked, I'm going to walk through. And that's what we need more of, is, is is this understanding that evangelization is not some kind of street corner preacher or somebody who's in your face. Man, I got to tell you, it really will happen if you're patient and you're prayerful uh, and you start to look for the opportunities. I, I get them all the time and they come out of left field, you know, where I'll, I'll, I'll start talking to a dad who's another dad uh, from my son's you know basketball team or something like that, and it presents me with an opportunity. And now my choice is, okay, do I continue to walk into this relationship and say, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. And, and just listen to them for a while and get to know them and ask them questions so that I can you know, win the opportunity or the right to be able to be heard. Because ultimately, once they trust me and once that level of trust is there, then I might get an opportunity to witness to them, to preach the gospel to them, to enter into something else. And you know what's crazy is when that happens, you like you sit back and you look back and you go, wow, God knit that all together for me. Yeah, he did. Well, hey, Marcel, um, I appreciate all uh, the time that we spent today, all the work you're doing with Catholic Missionary Disciples. Um, you know, the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. So I appreciate you uh, being one of the laborers out there and invite everyone to visit your website, 
both at catholicmissionarydisciples.com as well as thecatholicevangelist.com to find out more about Marcel, about what he has to offer uh, with his ministry. And brother, I wish you and your family uh, a continued blessed new year and stay out of that black ice out there. <laughs> I will. Believe me, somebody will be watching this in the summer going, what are you talking about black ice? <laughs> in Texas? <laughs> it's 103 degrees outside. It's 80% humidity. <laughs> yeah, amen, brother. Well, God bless you. All right. uh, we'll talk Thanks for having me, John. All right.